uh, welcome back to The Hive and uh, we've got Lorna Leeson, Joe Dodds, the usual crew and we're going to be talking about models today. Uh, not airfix ones, not uh, glamour ones, but uh, business ones and how you go about uh, applying them and perhaps what, which ones may be most appropriate for the current climate in which we find ourselves in terms of, you know, rebuilding our organisations, rebuilding our workplaces and so on. And I think, Joe, you, you, you identified a, one that was particularly of interest um, from uh, Buffer, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I just picked up an article over the weekend and they were talking about how they've approached the COVID-19 crisis from a sort of leadership and management point of view in their business. And they said they combined a couple of business models that they've used in the past. Um, one being about setting up task forces. So rather than having just like the whole leadership team having to do everything at all times, actually setting up specific task forces for each of the sort of areas of the business that need to be sort of um, moving forwards and, and managed during this time um, but also using a um, decision maker model where it's not necessarily the, the senior person who makes the decision it's it's the person who's been designated as the decision maker um, and they sort of combine those two models and I just thought it was interesting that you know, Buffer's one of those forward-thinking organisations that we talk about their tech. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've grown really quickly over tech. the Tell last Tell us who, years. what do they do? Just just out quickly, what, what are they for yeah. those who don't know? There's a social media management tool, so you can set up um, queues of content to go out over your various social media platforms. You can analyse the results and you can um, use them to sort of schedule content out. So, mm -hmm. they're, they're, so they're quite sort of new in terms of organisation. And I just thought it was really interesting that they can absolutely totally as is the case with a lot of these organisations, um, pin down how they do things. They've got a way of doing it. They've got sort of, in this case, as we said, models. They've got things that they can draw on and structures and processes that they actually follow. Whereas I think a lot of older companies um, tend to, not model through, but you know, they just keep doing what they've always done, which is have a big leadership team doing stuff and making decisions and disseminating those decisions. And we've talked about this, you know, on previous shows and so on as well. But I just thought it was interesting that not only have they got a different way of doing it, they can absolutely totally articulate what they've done. And they talked about how it worked and didn't work quite as well as they hoped. And so how they've adjusted it mm -hmm. um, to carry them through this, this, um, this, you know, crisis period. Right. That's interesting, actually, because you tend to think or one tends to imagine that startups tech companies are all a bit seat of the pantsy a bit kind of just do it just frantically being being wildly agile but in a completely manic and frantic kind of uncontrolled manner and in fact their ability to systemize what they do in terms of their product offering very often in the tech world they carry that through to the way they run their business as well it's this if this happens that will happen if that happens this will happen there's a kind of very controlled logic to it which which is kind of a bit counterintuitive to what you'd imagine actually so absolutely yeah mm. yeah Lorna I think um it speaks a lot to culture doesn't it to organizational culture and I think one of the things that um tech businesses, disruptive businesses have on their, their, in their favour is that their culture is quite new. Um, they haven't got the legacy of lots of um, very well-established organisations and unless you pay attention to culture, it just kind of happens. So you end up with this quite cumbersome, bureaucratic, uh, large legacy culture in some businesses. And we said early on, didn't we, in these um, podcasts that that kind of command and control 
information is king, hang on to everything, run one decision past 10 different committees. That's just, COVID crippled you, it had to go. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the benefit of, and it's really cute, I'm doing some work with two very different kinds of organisations at the moment, and one is exactly as you just said, very tech focused, um, small business, rapid growth, and I think um, they have come through COVID especially well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other have struggled commercially, but really interestingly, because they're a very large global organization with an extremely traditional, what I would call a clan culture under the competing values framework, if you're familiar with it. So um, quite people focused, but um, they're actually a combination of clan and hierarchy, some elements of control. The people have felt safe and secure, but commercially they've not been able to move as quickly as they would really want to. And you need some kind of balance, don't you? Mm. Which I really liked about the Buffer models was that they, what Buffer did is they said, well, we've got this team that are focused on commercials and it's, you know, the CFO, the CEO, operations. We've got a people-focused team. We've got a customer-focused team. And then the CEO was a member of all teams so could loop them all together and they weren't off in silos. But they were just focusing on really particular things. Mm -hmm. And there was no CFO going, well, I've got to sign off on whatever it is that you guys do over there in marketing. And, you know, no HR head going, oh, I want to be involved in the customer conversation. It was just trust-based, which Mm -hmm. is lovely, isn't it? Yes, and we've talked about trust virtually every episode of the house since this whole thing started. Yeah, that's my high bingo. Trust yeah. bing. <laughs> we haven't said pivot yet, though, I don't think. No, no, I don't know no. how I'm going to fit in the treating people as individuals today, but, we'll, but I'll try. We've got, we've got minutes left yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. So, so with, the, with this model that you were talking about, it was a kind of hybrid of a task force of specialists with a particular interest on the one hand and the decision maker model that they got on the other and they sort of fused the two did they joe they did and and they they did they sort of took looked at what they thought was going to work and what had worked and and took those two together so it wasn't we've got to do this way or we're going to do that way they did carefully think about how that, that was going to operate and then you know they said that broadly it, it worked worked really well and they talked about some examples of things that they did for example their customer task force released their customer relief fund when um, some customers couldn't pay their bills and the teammate task force kicked off a four-day uh, work week experiment so they had some mm-hmm. some really great results from that and they just ran from March to June and then they sort of made some changes from there um, and as far as doing things differently um, you know they they obviously are going to review what they what worked really well and they're in the process of that which is why they wrote the blog post so that they don't just dogmatically apply the same thing next time and clearly they finished this particular phase of it as well so that's a bit like you were saying about sort of seat of your pants and agile their their agility comes in sort of applying the right model the right situation the right sort of um, activity for the right situation and being flexible to change that as things change not that they just do that forever now or that they mm. as you said just make it up as they go along they 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 do things very in a very structured way but they change it quickly when they need to yes, they don't um, they don't fall into the trap that Lorna described of becoming kind of slightly bloated and heret you know the kind of a, a, a prisoner of their legacy they, yes, they exactly. kind of lovely they, phrase that joe what a prisoner it's of their legacy or a, blo- a bloated a bloated prisoner of their legacy <laughs> 
I will use that at some point if I can if I can weave it in somewhere. <laughs> I think it it kind of does speak to the other part about tech business, um, new disruptive business culture, which is this idea of, and it's become a bit of a cliche, right? This fail fast thing. Mm-hmm. So the comfort with risk, I think those businesses that actually have already got a culture of being comfortable with risk, they have been able to react more quickly um, through the past few months because actually that's just how they do things anyway. And while risk has been all around us, you know, lots of other businesses had all kinds of business continuity plans and none of them involved a global pandemic no. um, you know the kind of health risk that they've had to consider for customers and employees mm-hmm. and I think it's just really crippled the traditional business model in lots of ways and still is if you look at this whole kind of we're going back to the office thing tech businesses just small disruptive businesses are going why you don't need to you know, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think often they they work overdrive in terms of engaging people and doing things cohesively, and that's why they can say why because to them, it works as it does. But a lot of the other organisations that are more traditionally office based, you know, haven't been able to adjust how they behave with their teams sufficiently that that feels right like the right thing to carry on with you know they, mm-hmm. they they're waiting till it goes back to normal as opposed to shifting how they work with people and a yes here we go, I've got normal in there. Um, I won't say anything else and <laughs> um, what was interesting as well with the buffer thing um, and we ought to put the article link in the show yeah. notes is that there's a link in there is right near the end of the article in fact the very last line of the article where they've shared all their team communication that they that they sent out through the whole of the crisis period which again is just for me a real um sign of a a modern sort of agile uh tech company um Mm. which is that they are so open so they're you know they're sharing it with us we're not anything to do with their organization other than i'm a customer um but they're sharing it to help other organizations and other people but it also of course reflects so positively on them in terms of how they work as an organization with their team so you know we trust them as an organization because of how professionally they are running and openly they're running their business so, so if we if we were to kind of summarize in terms of what, what what's needed here being agile doesn't mean just firing off in all different directions you you, you need to underpin that agility with systems mm-hmm. and, and and in a clear idea of systems and steps and processes to your point Lorna it's about trust it's about giving people, empowering people to make decisions and trusting them to make yeah, your those culture right will decisions. either help or hinder you in this yeah. endeavour. Yeah, and and communicate. Mm. Um, do you want to bring in a treat people as individuals, there, Joe? We're going to get that in in our. <laughs> I'm not sure I can ring the bell. Did I anything else to say on that as a, as a summary? No, be more buffer. Be more buffer. Yeah. Be more buffer. <laughs> Love it. Okay, that's great. Lorna, Joe, thank you. Thanks for listening, folks. And uh, yeah, be more buffer. Bye bye.